You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye of the sky. This, this is, is Seattle Overload. Is Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Seattle Overload after another Seahawks victory, which makes it sound like they've won all six games this season. They've now won three, and they've lost three, so they're at 500 again. They're also in good company, given that the rest of the NFC West, other than the Arizona Cardinals, ha ha ha, is three and three too. So nice kind of footing as they head into the second quarter. They're kind of in the second quarter now. Almost over the midway point of the ridiculous, still ridiculous 18-game season, or 18-week season, 17-game season. You get my point. But they beat the Cardinals 19-9. to but what was really encouraging is, especially for us, as you know, we are defensive aficionados. The offense had patchy moments of execution. The special teams had one real patchy moment of execution. But the Seahawks defense allowed three points, six sacks. They registered. They took the ball away two times. They had three crucial fourth down stops, um, four in total, but three when it really mattered. And it was just a really exciting performance for them, including the Arizona Cardinals running backs only having something like two point something yards per carry. So Griff, uh, happy days before we get to the Seattle offense. Yeah, um, they played a complete game. Um, we saw th- this isn't a complete like this didn't come out of absolutely nowhere because they've had good stretches within some, even some of their worst games this year. And, but they finally just uh, played a complete game. Um, It was, I think the theme here was that they are essentially just kind of figuring their scheme out. And from there are, they're able to execute better within that. And then that can kind of, you know, compound positively moving forward. And that's just, that's just what we saw this game. I mean, they 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 played more bare, or I mean, they've been doing that. But like mm. last last week against the Saints, early on, or on early downs last week, um, they played more bare, and the the statistics went in went in bare. 
uh, was uh, a lot better, like run and pass. And that was the case this week, too. Of course, they just their third down plan was also really good. And we'll talk about that. Um, but they held the Cardinals well below their um, their averages on offense. Like they were an average offense, statistically, efficiency wise, clustered in the middle. And they were like bottom five this week. Um, I think this is a reflection of Seattle really harnessing their scheme and a reflection of what their talent is capable of. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins, the Cardinals, but you know, they still have adequate players in Zach Ertz and um, you know, AJ Green, and they didn't didn't give up a lot of production. They they def- they had a good rush plan for Kyler Murray. I mean, all of it worked. I mean, three points is dominant. So Yeah. And you know, even if they'd converted on those third downs or or but sorry, not even converted the fourth downs, but decided to take the points, you know, by a field goal, you know, that's nine points, like it's still pretty pretty stingy and a field goal obviously not exactly a guarantee especially when their kicker is struggling but yeah griff i agree with what you're saying in terms of schematically from what we can garner from the broadcast but also from the comments of pete carroll that i'll get to but it doesn't i mean it's not a culmination because we're going to see this continue but it's definitely you've, you've seen this process kind of work itself out through the weeks and you know i and others had questioned whether carroll could fix this kind of defense because it's not technically a system but whatever the coaching staff is doing, they're slowly getting there, slowly working. And what was interesting, I alluded to Carol's comments before the game. He's out there saying, you know, we've made a couple of schematic adjustments for this game specifically. And then after the game, he refers to them too, but obviously doesn't tell you what they are. But to me, I mean, we'll have to watch the tape, listen to our tape podcast Thursday. But it's like you said, Griff, I think they're running more bare less risky uh front stuff on early downs to expose yourself to the run you know all the they, kind of stuff we were asking for um and has sort of had identified on the defense seems to be happening and after that shaky first drive where they get caught in a kind of really going at the pass look on two third downs mm-hmm. and they had a shaky moment on the second drive as well but after that they sort of settled in Condé Diggs mentioned how there's sort of the first 15 plays where you get some beaters thrown at you from previous weeks. But then they settled in and played really well uh, back to front. Everything was in sync. Yeah. It was really encouraging. They they reverted back to schematically parts of the Venn diagram that overlapped last year between Ken Norton Jr.'s take on this d- defensive family and what what Sean Desai was running in the, you know, the, the Fangio group. Um, and you know, like what Zimmer was doing and Carl Scott already kind of over had some natural overlap. Right. Uh, but they reverted back to what worked last year. I mean, that's still, it's still the same like umbrella of defense. Right. Um, but they're, they're essentially saying on early downs, we're going to be, we're going to be fundamentally sound up front and we're going to let guys get one-on-ones and just win blocks. Uh, we're, we're going to make it easier on the linebackers to play fast. Um, we're going to just play sound zone rules. And then when we need to, and, and if you can do that really well, great, but you're not going to be super aggressive. So then you, you win back that lost aggression that they're, that they weren't getting out of their four down too high. Anyway, mm. you, you win that back by, they were sending a, a little bit of pressures here and there, and then they were playing cover one when they felt like they could get away with it or like dime cover three. Um, and so it's like, it's not, it's not a matter of like, what so much it's a matter of how much of what and when and like it's just a matter of twisting knobs twisting knobs and 
And like whatever they did this week, it was like the perfect combination. I thought they were really close last week. Um, in, in essence, really, this was this game was them refining all that knob twisting um, that they that they did that they were doing last Always week. Important. But then applying their third down game plan and then just tackling better on third downs and in crucial moments. That was it. Like there's nothing else going on here uh, but it's cool that we can see a direct like line we can f- trace this back to the saints game more so on early downs like i keep saying but then even before that um that game connected the dots a little bit to like the first half against detroit the second half against uh san francisco so like they've had this within them and this doesn't mean that next week you know that they could they could get fucked up next week but what they're but what they're this gives them the best chance of moving forward. So if if they do get you know jacked up next week, so be it. But do so living in the same world, you know, that, that they're living in right now because it gives them the best chance, you know. Yeah. The the other thing which was big was the lack of that massive killer mistake. Um and right. I mean, Ty, I'd love to hear what you, you thought of the defense, but how about you know, the two rookie defensive backs, Kobe Bryant stepping up, having a good game in coverage, forcing a fumble, and then Tariq Willem with a really impressive, unnecessary, because he could have swatted it incomplete on fourth down, but pick of Kyler Murray late on. Yeah, some really great reps with uh, some talented receivers, of course. I I thought Kobe had some really nice reps against Rondell Moore uh, and then uh, Tariq against Hollywood Brown. That was going to be a really interesting matchup for him. Um and, I, and they really held their own. I, 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 you know, obviously we'll see what the tape says, but like, I thought this was definitely Kobe Bryant's best game, at least to me on TV from a coverage standpoint. Um, and Tariq looked great all day long as well. So um, that's really encouraging. And the defensive line played incredibly well today. Um, and I think, you know, obviously some of that is the bear stuff, but they were beating up on a beaten up line, right? The, Cardinals have suffered injuries all along that line and they took advantage of that, which they haven't really been able to take advantage of these matchups when teams are missing some key pieces. And so that, that was really nice to see into Griff's point, you know, earlier that, you know, they didn't just win, they, they dominated today and that means something, right? Even though that the Cardinals did not look very good, they looked like a two and four team today. Kyler Murray was rough particularly when passing the ball. and But still, even with that, even with the Cardinals being that bad, this was still very, very impressive by this defense because we've seen seen the really, really rough parts of this defense at times. So, <clears throat> But the way that they were able to win uh, those matchups at the uh, line of scrimmage was great. Being able to get consistent pressure on Murray. And like you said, uh, I think Car- uh, Cardinals running backs averaged like 2.7 yards per carry or something like that. So they were able to stuff the run. And, you know, aside from what Murray was doing, scrambling and all that stuff, um, and they were able to get to Murray and contain him in the pocket. Uh, and so that was that was great. Yeah, and Daryl think... Taylor, by the way, specifically uh, had probably his best game of the year, too. That was really nice to see. Yeah, definitely. And and I think that's, you know, especially with the pass rush, I think that is just opportunity. Like, the, like again, talking about the last few weeks showing signs of this, <clears throat> Daryl Taylor there was signs he was going to heat up. Like they were trying to get him one-on-one. They just didn't have enough clear passing downs for their schematic ways of getting him one-on-one to really pop. This game, they had way more passing downs and clear pass situations. And they almost had like a whole quarter of Arizona basically becoming a one-dimensional team. Yeah. 
And so they were able to go at it. And, you know, there was a bit of sack stat padding towards the end. But Ty, I do agree, there was consistent pressure throughout. I think they had a, a good rush plan in terms of keeping Murray largely in the pocket. I think also, you know, line the scrimmage wise, they did really well against the run game, as you were saying as well, Ty, knocking guys back, winning the trenches and yeah. Remember that really Brian Monet uh remember that rep that Brian Monet had where he just drove the center. Right. Back, right. Like, and I think that's partly, yeah. you know, the crowd coming into the game, like switching up like the Cardinals cadences. But their line seems slow off the ball all game. And maybe that's lack of experience, lack of working together, lack of talent. But I think also, you know, I think they're a bit shell-shocked and uh, I think the noise got to them a bit as well. So yeah. that was good stuff. Uh, Griff, where, where do you want to take the defense? Uh, well, yeah, the fact that they did this without Al Woods is pretty cool. I think part of Mona's struggles, I feel like he's just better reading the game, you know, playing off the center, you know, being a zero technique, one technique. I just, I, maybe he's just not comfortable seeing the game, you know, lined up across from guards. I, I don't know if that's, and if there's really anything to that or not, but I mean, he, he just played really well this game. He was just winning blocks. Um, it was nice to see Puna Ford kind of regain himself, look like himself for a full game too. Um, and, and then like, you know, with the pass rush, yeah, them playing bear, but one of the benefits that bear does give you in the pass rush department is like the, the symmetry of it. You, it's really easy to not easy, but it, it's, it lends itself toward, you know, um, designing twists and stuff, um, and, and getting guys free up the middle. So like we saw that one Ryan Neal sack, I mean, that was really well designed. Um, it reminded you a lot of like the, the dime package they used last year in the middle of the season with both Neil and Jamal Adams out there. They're making it work now with Josh Jones and Ryan Neal. I'm excited what the tape looks like in general with the three safety stuff. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was good design, good execution. And then I think those two things are feeding into one another as well, you know, um, where the scheme puts the players in better positions then they, you know, play better. And then that benefits the scheme and, so on and so forth. Um, kind of like what we've mostly seen with the offense this year, right? Um, the other aspect of this, though, is that I'm really curious to see what it looks like on the L22, but the Cardinals and, and just given what they do formationally, all the the trips open, you know, the two by two open spread stuff, right? They don't condense their splits a lot. They're putting, they're trying to put, especially when Seattle was playing, a lot of too deep. They're trying to put Jordan Brooks, the linebackers, on an island, and they were just they were just throwing guys down the pipe at him. And sure enough, Kyler Murray, a lot of his reads start off over the middle of the field, and then he eventually works his way down to the flat, or he's scrambling, and you just see Jordan Brooks hauling ass downfield, and then off screen, you don't know what's happening. I suspect it's because nobody was open. Um, so I feel I hopefully it was another really good cover day for him. Both the linebackers are coming up and hitting. Um, even Neil, when he was essentially playing de facto Will linebacker on some mixed downs that they were able to get away with because they were playing their penny package or their three down stuff, right? Uh, everyone was flying to the ball, playing fast. There's there's no more confusion now. Um, I do wonder, though, and, and maybe when we go back in the tape, we'll even see it in this game, when they do look for the excuses to play four down spacing, paired with too high what are those situations now like where are they drawing the line versus when they go okay we need to we need to get back into odd spacing to defend the run here 
Um, I'm curious to see where those lines are being drawn because early on in the season, it was like trying to make fetch happen when they just needed to scrap it. And I understand not wanting to scrap it when you spent so much time in preseason and the summer with it, right? Because you're trying to convince yourself you can make it work. Um, but it just wasn't working. Um, so I'm curious to see where those lines are being drawn. And you wonder if they get really good at this now, do they start to flirt with the idea of like, okay, let's start to bleed in our four down stuff more into earlier downs, more into mixed situations and not just past situations. Um, so that'll be something to look for. But in the meantime, don't fix what ain't broke. Ride this. Just ride it for now. So Yeah, and like we saw one of the disadvantages to the approach when you had Nwosu running across the middle of the field with Rondell Moore. Now, right. there's coverage tools you can employ to make that not happen where he can doesn't have to take that through. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But in that matchup, the nature of it, he had to, and it looked yeah. bad. Uh, same time, like, it did work overall. And so even though Clint Hurt promised that wouldn't happen, <laughs> it happened yeah. um, because they run, it's a 3-4. It's actually the 3-4. You got to um, just accept it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, how many it, of them did they hit? And you go into... You get walked out. Exactly. Yeah. Going to the Jordan Brooks point, that, that um, fourth down stop he had where... Uh, Murray got sacks on the play, but his primary read, I think, was like a, trying to get Ertz open over the middle on an under route where they uh, ran three up the pipe and thought it would run off Brooks to the number two. But Brooks just went rapidly from three to the two with very quick processing and took the under route of the two yeah. receiver across the middle with burst and processing. And that was just excellent coverage. I, I think he had a superb game. He also finished with six tackles, so he's all over the field. And what I'd say is the fact we didn't really know, uh, like to the, you know, how much did the linebacker stand out? Well, not actually that much if you're just sort of got a cursory glance in the game. But that, again, is evidence of, you know, when the D-line's struggling, when the front's struggling, the mechanics are struggling, then you start noticing linebackers because you're like, why are they so far downfield taking on a block? Or why are they getting blocked out of a play? And it's because, you know, they've had someone thrown in their lap or it's because the runs burst through a, a gap which shouldn't have been there up front. Um, but the fact you didn't notice them so much this game is evidence of how well uh, it all kind of played and fitted together. And, you know, there will be probably a temptation to fit in more of the four-down stuff because, you know, that is what I think they're trying to do, whether that was Sean Desai influenced or not. But, you know, just to re-emphasize for people who haven't listened to past podcasts, you know, that, that wasn't working. And now they're sort of... I, I, know, I can't wait to see the, the film of, you know, Carol mentioned there was a couple of things they did differently. I can't wait to sort of delve into, you know, playing time personnel packages and see what else they were doing. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, very exciting. And then you can do all the cool passing down stuff still. Like, you know, you mentioned that mm -hmm. sack where looks like Ryan Neal's backing out of the, the mug front, but they've already forced man protection. Then I think it was Brooks was the other mugger. Yeah. But he drops over the uncapped three receiver, which it looked like Neal was covering, and Neal comes through the weak B gap. And it just breaks 
their man protection, especially with their inexperience and their difficulties up front. And so, what, what what was cool about Brooks's coverage there on that receiver that you're talking about is because he's coming from the mug, right? So there's a huge danger of overrunning that receiver and getting undercut, but then you see him shuffling and tempoing his break. And it's like there are like four or five dudes that just trust themselves that are 240 pounds and trust their speed to play routes that way, like especially on a slot receiver coming from the A gap. I mean, right now in the league, for my money, it's it's Fred Warner. And then there's probably a name or two I'm forgetting, but I, what comes to mind is Demario Davis, and then it's Jordan Brooks, and it's everybody else at linebacker. I mean, there's just there are only just so many guys that weigh that much at that composition that can move like he does, you know. Um, so yeah, and and the Cardinals' total yards by the end of the game was in, kind of inflated by that kind of you know weird game state where Seattle was playing stay at the top of the pass and getting rush going but still you know they only had 4.4 average gain per offensive play uh they went four for 16 on third downs overall like <laughs> it yeah. was a, and they only had a, in two every trips way to this the red is zone. A, there we go two trips to the red zone good stuff ty so you know this was a pretty resounding um defensive performance against an opponent where you know they've struggled against Arizona in the past they've struggled against Kyler Murray in the past it is in some ways especially uh at home uh yeah so so nice to get this one back and maybe they finally solved Arizona uh Ty thoughts yeah, it seems like they had a pretty good plan for it. We'll see how that changes in a couple of weeks here when they, you know, because they're going to have Hopkins back starting uh, Thursday. Uh, so we'll see how that changes. But, um, you know, Hollywood Brown also got hurt and it looked pretty rough on the yeah. interception. So we'll see if that keeps them out because that definitely changes things as well. Because, like, if they have a receiving core of Hopkins, Brown, Rondell Moore, AJ Green, like that causes some some issues from a personnel standpoint. Um, but yeah, I think overall, you know, this is a great game plan. I mean, again, Kyler ha- definitely did not have his best game today. Um, but uh, the the way that they were able to uh, win at the line of scrimmage was really impressive, and um, just the way that they were able to contain him, and just uh, especially after <clears throat> you know he got a couple of those big runs, like. He had a couple more runs, but he fumbled on the on the one when he was, uh, as you put it, juggling his cabbage, and uh, is he juggling his? his... <laughs> What's wrong with and saying cabbage? What's wrong is with he that? Juggling his cabbage. No, no, he carries the football like he's juggling a cabbage. Mm-hmm. Look, cabbage. I think the imagery worked. You know, people seem to engage with the tweet, uh, and he I mean, did get his Maddie, cabbage knocked out. But Maddie, semantically, if I may. Mm. To juggle usually means you've got more than one thing going on. Ooh. No, it if, doesn't. If, if I'm the can't... best juggler with one ball. You, you th- when you called... choose two, it's very difficult. That's called catch. Mm. Yeah, that's called juggling. No, I'm imagine... no, I'm... it's more strenuous than Griff, catch. What do you have going on cabbages? that you can't handle one cabbage walking down the sidewalk Griff. from the Grim. <laughs> cabbage is huge. For Kyla Murray, cabbage is massive. Fair. Griff, si- sidebar. Okay, Are you a. Are you a having a catch guy or a playing catch guy? Uh, depends. Am I Kevin Costner or am I a normal person? 
correct um, that's the correct answer by the way yes. yeah so um, how did that how did that make how did that line make it past the test screeners <laughs> I have a cat. you know the worst part though is like people actually legitimately say that do like, they, they really it, like, that they, sounds like, like something I, an unironically say, say it trying to trying to like blend in with hu humans on earth i've come to earth i'll have a catch with the humans they'll never suspect yeah. a thing exactly so there's a comment here guys from mm -hmm. Lee Lariviere on football, which uh, says they seem to shoot more gaps today than the whole season combined. About talking about the D line, I think, or it could be about the linebackers. But what I'd say on that is one, if you're in a bare front, right, then most of the time, like they were today, most of the time, then most of the time, the well, the vast majority of the time, the defensive line are one on one. And so it's easier for them to get off the block and, and shed and take a shot, knowing that there's only they're not throwing someone into the lap as easily. But also, if it's the linebacker as well, they're more in like a middle field, closed, gapped out world where they don't really have to worry about slow playing stuff. They can take their shots a bit more. They also have a, the center, the guard, and the guard, and the tackle, and the tackle, or the, the edge blocker, all covered up by linemen, so they're cleaner as well. So yeah. th that would probably be the reason when, for that. When, when the... You know, the relationship between the front and the coverage is usually to like marry the um the run fit to the to the coverage rules, right? So when you're <clears throat> when you're so then the front then dictates okay, the combination of the front and the coverage dictates what your run assignment is. And then from there your run assignment informs what the techniques you play with are. And by techniques it means like are you playing laterally shoulders square to the line of scrimmage to account for one and a half or two gaps? That means if you can't, you can't get vertical, you're not being asked to get vertical. You have to play off the block. And if the blocks lose, then all of a sudden you've got a offensive guard in your lap and you look like you're being blocked all over the place when really you're not, it's like you're doing what the defense is asking of you. Or if everyone, <clears throat> if you're gapped out, Everyone has one gap. You don't have to worry about anything but that gap and maybe a puller. You're not even keying the running back. You're literally keying your blocker. And then you you worry about the ball after you relate to your gap. If you're playing too high and it's bare or odd spacing, so three, four, right? Even if you're out gapped up front, all those interior gaps, Matty, like you're talking about, are pretty much taken care of. Um, with the exception that the nose tackle isn't true nose uh, true to gapping all the time. But if a ball gets out to the perimeter, you know that if you you don't have to play laterally and and, and work fall back into the front side a gap. You can just go shoot that gap because then that means th that means your second linebacker now becomes the new a gap player and you're getting a you're getting you're getting backfill from your weak safety and then you're also getting alley help from your front side safety. And it's like you can just go make a play. Whereas if it's four down and you're too high, you've got huge bubbles, and it's just how are you supposed to fit that fit that bubble where a guy can climb on you immediately and then try to fall back into another bubble? It's just not tenable. It only works if you have defensive linemen that are just either absolute monsters, like not just good but also lengthy and have an anchor. Or you're you're slanting like crazy and you're sending fire zones like crazy to, to make it all work, and that was kind of our main question. It's like if you're going to do this, and your your defensive ends are 250, 255, where's the line movements? Like they did it very sparingly. It was odd, right? Um, so that's the, that's that's what comes into it. So the fact 
this is what their whole issue is. Now they are marrying the front to the coverage. Um, and they have these complimentary calls to shore up the weak spots and either the, the run fit or the coverage. And that's why everyone's playing faster now. And now that they're allowed to play faster, they can build up chemistry. They can build up reps and experience and what they're doing now, then they'll get even progressively better theoretically. So that's, yeah, they shot a lot more gaps, um, today. I, I agree. And they were shooting them last week again on early downs. Um, but they're, everything was just better this week. Yeah. If all right, if we can, if in the future Seahawks string together some games and we identify the turnaround, the turnaround will be the Saints game, because bef- the, the the Saints game will be the the U turn itself. Because before you turn around, you first must turn, right? So the Saints game was the turn, was the U turn itself, and then the Cardinals game was when they finally straightened out. Um, and this metaphor is is un, is unshakable keep, right now and then they're gonna going, keep going keep straight going. they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna level out that 180 degree angle we'll see what they do against the, the chargers next week to the moon um, to the moon. um yeah the defense is all about defense is all about how much help do you have and where's it coming from and it's about u-turns and and, and so, no it's not it's about straightening no, we, out after you turn and specifically fitting the run like where's your help coming from and how much of it do i have in a specific area and based off that then you fit because you're not going to run to where someone is right but you also need to run to where someone isn't basically you might you turn to where someone is or isn't oh my gosh you'd never run backwards on defense okay but only legal u-turns folks when there is a sign that indicates that you are allowed to u-turn yeah don't don't u-turn without indication from the law you guys unless specifically there's no cop around then go for it we're, we're joking he, we he, joke he on this said, podcast he's, he's, he's said that he said that not the two of us not the two of us international michael, votes, by the way my, so michael offense. dixon could have used a u-turn when he mm. uh when he mm. got uh blown up in the end zone that was an unfortunate <laughs> moment on the special team side where i mean if you're blocking a punt Basically, from segue, whatever level to whatever level, you have to block inside you to outside. You have to U-turn to segue there. Oh my god! Shut up. <laughs> so <laughs> he he he. Took this is what happens when the Seahawks finally have a good defensive performance. We're like completely. Griffin's unhinged. delirious. I get angry because it's three a.m. Um, <laughs> All right. Ty provokes. Um, how about this? How about this? I'm, I'm, I'm the best at that. How about this? I'm a lead at that. Don't fumble in the end zone. Yeah, he should have gone in the cradle position, right? But also, like, block from inside to outside. Don't let interior penetration. I don't think there's much more to say on that disaster. But fortunately, it didn't kill the Seahawks. The Seahawks really miss Travis Homer. Yeah, he's the up yeah, back. Man. He's the guy who's kind of responsible for checking all that inside stuff, scanning inside to outside. I need to rewatch what happened, but that just it was a complete blown deal. And then Dixon tried to make a bit too much happen there. He should have just gone down, but I like that he tried to get it off, I guess. Like there's been other plays where he has, so right. Okay, so the offense, what went wrong? Well, the tape will give us some answers, right? But also you know, one for five in the red zone. That's concerning because they were moving the ball down the field and then stuff stalled. And I'm wondering, Griff, is this like, and we'll we'll find out from the tape as well, but like, you know, you hear DK, uh, you hear, sorry, Geno Smith after the game going, 
Oh, they were bracketing. Um, they were they were bracketing uh, DK Metcalf. They were bracketing Tyler Lockett. Uh, they were doing all this stuff, and it seems really familiar to all the other times the offense has struggled, where you get these similar comments. Uh, and I mean, I guess the offense didn't struggle until they got into the red zone. Like five red zone trips isn't disastrous, but also is this kind of a deal where they have a bit of a schematic issue? Because we thought you put it, I uh, thought pretty well that Gino is smart. Like Vance Joseph, like will get carved up by smart quarterbacks. And Gino is good enough to do that and identify where the weak point was. And he was doing that, trying to do that this game, but they also seem to be pretty effective at nullifying Seattle, especially inside the 20. So, Griff, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I think Vance Joseph ultimately had a really good pressure plan. Like Seattle, well, for one, when they were facing four and five-man rushes, they they couldn't – it wasn't horrific, but they, they weren't blocking people. They had some other some miscommunications like coming off – coming out of their stance late. Um, but then the they were just a lot of free rushers. And on a couple of them, I mean, Gino did throw hot. He didn't he didn't land every shot. Um, but the, then we ended up – so, yeah, they were winning the day on that front. But then in the second half, um, Walger encounters with uh, – he counters with more 13 personnel. And, I mean, one, it's like, yeah, we were going to see 13 personnel anyway because that's a package that is just really good for them right now. But then additionally, um, they just needed more bodies on the line of scrimmage to try to, like, either prevent the blitz or if they're going to blitz, they can – it's easier to check a guy into the protection and still try to run the play action concept. You might want to run easier whatever to the case may be well. easier to identify as well. Like it gives them a lot of opportunities. So, um, and, and then on those drives, they were really moving the ball stalled one time in the red zone, as you said, but then also, of course they had that clutch drive to open the fourth quarter where like everybody was doing well. Um, G, uh, quarterback, running back offensive line, um, I think it was just ultimately a rough day. I am curious to see, um, by the way, rough day in which they still scored 19 points. I mean, it could be worse, right? Uh, because before a rough day meant scoring however many points they scored against the 49ers. What was it, three? Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm really curious to see what was going on downfield if anything was getting open, if anything was super open, like we talked about, you know, with advanced Joseph defense, if they left anything open, but the, it was impossible for the quarterback to get to it. On a couple of the plays on the broadcast, they definitely seemed like a combination of protection not being great and the coverage throttling everything down. Yeah, which is like worst case um, scenario. Right. I so, got that same impression. Yeah. Now, Gino so did create on game. some of them uh like with his legs he made some pretty cool plays and then some of them it was yeah he i mean he still could have thrown the ball away but like on some of the third downs i'm not sure what the next best option would have been you know um we will know until we see the tape um yeah uh, it was good to see a little bit of escrowage right um marquis goodwin still has some skills um if Gino using downfield yeah wow. yeah if if eskridge was able to lead at, uh or if gino was able to lead eskridge on that one slant out of that uh wide stack formation he might have been gone um that was a little bit further of a throw than it looks because they were like so wide split like all the way max split you can be because it's like a run formation i actually thought it was cool that waldron used that formation because they did a couple of different things out of it in that series so it was just it was, it was, I mean, it goes back to what the theme of this offense is, the 
the plays aren't that different. It's just he does them at a different formations, different dressings, and it's like the defense just doesn't know what they're going to get. Um, so I don't know. What, what are your guys' takes? Well, yeah, I thought it was a really rough day for the uh, for the two rookie tackles, uh, especially. And it was just, you know, it was the some of the blitz uh, packages that the uh, Cardinals were running. They were getting a lot of free rushers, like you mentioned. And it's just, you know, just didn't have any time, especially on the uh, on the play action stuff that they were doing. There was a couple times where, you know, you'd play fake and there's a guy right in his face and you just, you know, and he was able to actually make a couple of really cool throws out of that as well. Uh, and just kind of make up for it. There was the one to, to Eskridge for sure. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, also the other issue with the line was I, I felt like uh, maybe this is just my own head cannon, but what I saw was, I don't know, in, in short yardage situations, they weren't really able to win at the line of scrimmage of the run game yeah. either. Um, and so that was a little disappointing um you know and ken walker was able to make up for some of that because he was just so damn elusive today uh just making guys miss yeah. a lot of missed tackles today uh just some of like the bobbing and weaving that he was doing it was really fun to watch um he, he's really fun when he gets out in space also can we talk real quick about his little prance that he did on the oh, touchdown yeah. oh with putting up prance that's what I've been seeing. I, I saw a couple people referring to it as to, to it as a uh, as a prance. I like it. I, I think it might be a prance. What do, what would you call it, Maddie? I don't know. I think well, it's definitely like a fake stiff bump. I think it was more like a dip or like a gallop. What about gallop? Mm-hmm. Prance is too. Prance is too. A canter, uh, perhaps. Prance is too exhibition, yeah. and uh, it's like a show right. pony. It was very. <laughs> All right. If there are any equestrians among our audience right now chime in with what exactly you call that yes. that gate movement yes. from yes. kenny walker there <laughs> ken walker um but yeah but like was, like you were was, saying as well oh sorry well he's amazing <laughs> 21 attempts for 97 yards 4.6 yeah. yards per carry and he like, was awesome, still like man. a lot of patchy like rookie elements i think is play action pass pro i need to go back but it looked like there's some dodgy yeah. elements but yeah. even well, and, with all that they're... said, like he's still popping off and looking at a really unique special runner. And there were a couple of, you know, they, they keep on having a couple of busted plays every week with the run game where guys yeah. are going the wrong way. And Ken went the wrong way again on one. That was the one where, where Gino, I think it was on the first drive of the game where Gino ran for like three or four yards and he one of the hits of the head call. Um, yeah. Dallas or, did. It was yeah, TJ Dallas did as well. I feel like they they keep on doing this at least once a game over the last few weeks. I don't yeah. know why that keeps on happening. It's, it's really weird. It's notable that it didn't happen with Penny though. So it's just like yeah. a they need more reps thing. I mean, other backup running backs don't have these issues. I'm not saying that it's oh because they're a backup, but maybe with reps, Kenny or Ken Walker will get there. Um, I, I agree. The protect. I mean, the Walker was really bad in protection against the Saints, and I'm sure it's purely just like he needs more time with it right because we remember how inexperienced he was with it in college and like there was a thing in training camp like oh he can be really good at it and he had good moments and everything so i feel like he'll get there um for all the same reasons he's an excellent runner the lateral ability the contact balance you know and vision right um he should be a good pass protector in time right um but for now it just isn't there but some of those runs that that one where he squirted through contact on the right side uh, where he bounced it and it looked like he was going to be tackled in the backfield. That was just crazy, man. Four broken tackles, wasn't it? That was crazy. I mean, that yeah. was that was 
I mean, that was like Marshawn level of staying on your feet, mm. you know? Well, and then like two plays later, he only gained like a yard on this play, but he like ducked yeah. under a guy and like made another guy miss. And then yeah. like he turned like a three yard loss into like a one yard gain. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other thing with the offense as well is like shaky protection, you know, the weird run elements of like the running backs and weird pass protection of them. But also like they were just so sloppy, like the tight end, like fan running into uh, the running back, um, Parkinson just missing his block on JJ Watt on the backside and letting. Oh, also, what, what was Fant doing on that one uh, when he caught the ball and he just like stopped? I don't know. There's there like, some weird, weird yeah. elements to the offense where it's like sh- surely, and again, like we've seen that before. You can't execute perfectly in football, but it's just like these weird, sloppy like periods where people just keep making basic errors where like just straight up missed assignments, not even, um, not even like the fan thing, but more like, you know, running into the back of your player or like not blocking the guy or, or like going the wrong way on a run. Like, and that just does tank drive. So I think that along with, you know, the protection um, and then the, the good coverage perhaps in the red zone, but, you know, it's easier to cover well in the red zone when it's third and long because of b- a bad mistake than it is, you know, in the first and yeah. ten. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like you guys were saying with the coverage, like the, the coverage was really good in this game, I thought. Like Antonio Hamilton uh, had a really good game against DK. Uh, yeah. Seems so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the other part of it. DK um, basically had one catch all game other than that last uh, sort of that, DK catch at the end. That, um, yeah. that, that Slogo, though, in the, in the red zone where he – he almost one-handed. It would have been cool. Um, and I mean, yeah, Gino put it too high, but I, he put it high on purpose. He just put it too high because it was a slant and go, right? A sluggo. And the corner didn't bite on the, in, on the, you know, the end move at all. So at that point, because otherwise you throw it on a line and you throw it lower, you throw it over the cornerback. The route isn't open. So the only way to make it work is now it's a high point situation. Yeah, it's a back shoulder fade now. And it was actually not the worst ball in the world, but it just wasn't. Also, DK wasn't trying to catch a back shoulder fade either, right? So if if he had, he probably elevates a, a tick later, and then he could probably come down with it. At the same time, Gino could also put it lower. Um, now, had it been a slant, though, <laughs> he probably catches it and then at least gets a first down, and he might break a tackle and run into the end zone. Um, it's just a bit of irony there. Um, anyway. So the Seahawks offense also went four for 14 on third down, which is 28.6%. Yeah, yeah. So they, and I think, you know, I, mean, I think I should, I should re I should research how many of them actually came in like the inside the red zone, but it feels like, you know, <laughs> if, if five of, if four of their five red zone drives stalled, <laughs> yeah, know, that's four, yeah, yeah. isn't it? So, right. And at the core of it, it still feels like, and again, we'll see what the tape says. But the core of it, it feels like a structure issue, like protection and the play calls really aren't popping. Um, and, but Ty, like you said, like they may not be popping because the defenders are just, they played really well. I mean, they have guys that can run and cover. That's that's like, that's why Fangio does all this blitzing because he knows he has guys that at least have the skill set to just be able to run with, run with dudes like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So, yeah, I don't know. And uh, I thought the interior, the offensive line, we- we should probably mention Haynes and Lewis had their struggles. Haynes got beat and Lewis Agreed. got called for a hold or two, maybe. So, Agreed. yeah, J- they were having a little bit of an issue with JJ Watt today, it seemed. 
when they were bringing him inside. It happens. It was JJ Watt's yeah. good game of the season. But I guess a merry recap is the Cardinals throughout that game looked like way more of a two and four team than the Seahawks. Like, hey, it contextualizes what Seattle's working with. Is this mm-hmm. a bottom five team? No. Is this a bottom ten team? Doesn't seem like it. Are they an and average play- team? Probably, but. We'll see where they and go. In, and in the and in this NFC, I mean, this is probably a wild card contender. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, like it, you're be. definitely a wild card contender with the way they lost the Saints game and the way they lost the Falcons game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a legit three and three team that could get better. It's not a it's not a one. It's not a two and four team that got lucky and is three and three. You know, what and I, mean? I guess with the way that the West is being ravaged by injuries, like they're. They're technically a division contender right now. They're tied for first. I mean, like technically the 49ers have the tiebreaker, but ultimately that gets decided in the second game they play. So whatever. Yeah, and as as Conde Diggs said, you know, they they need to start picking up and winning games, not just be a team who's like hovering around 500. At the same time, yeah. you find out a lot about a team and Pete Carroll teams, right? Like, you know, there's there's the first stint of games, and then you really start trying to go on a run. You, you sort of figure out who everyone is like this nfc west they're not all going to finish nine and eight or eight and nine are they there's going to be a, a better grouping and a worse grouping yeah uh to that note the rams lost their left tackle uh note boom today mm-hmm. to injury so there was injuries going on and uh thankfully which suck obviously thankfully the silks came out of this game with zero injuries so that's big news right that's huge so I want to leave on this note, unless you guys have anything. Yeah, else leave, to add, leave, the, uh, leave. The 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 Seahawks. You turn on <laughs> out of here. Yeah. <laughs> the the Seahawks have you turn their season around here and are now three and three and now have the same exact record as the Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Green Bay Packers, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, the Miami Dolphins, a lot of playoff contenders, preseason playoff contenders. Seahawks are right in line with them right now, folks. Mm-hmm. There you go, and we'll, we'll you know we'll find out who's for real and who isn't. But we'll be back next time, next uh, Wednesday. Me and Ty, maybe Griff, with our press conference, Seahawks news, exciting roundup. Then Griff and I, and maybe Ty, with the tape review of this All-22, where we can really delve into what exactly happened, even though we've just told you a bit about what happened. And then, gents, the Seahawks play. Los Angeles Chargers. That'll be a good test. Which is a a good test. Herbert's still... They're also injured. Limping along, isn't he? Yeah, who knows if Keenan Allen will play. Who knows how Justin Herbert will... Uh, Justin Herbert will fare. They're also going to be on a short week because they're playing tomorrow against. Let's ride. Yeah, and we'll if if the Broncos lose, we'll have a, a Broncos update as well in the the, the Ty mm-hmm. and Matty show. So um, it's so maddening. I, I enjoy that they, segment. Yeah, mm. it's so maddening how they could be a one win team right now, and what that means draft pick wise. Because I feel like Seattle is going to be picking in the middle of the order in all likelihood. No, 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 no. It's over. Bottom of the order. Um, Seahawks picking 31. There we go. 
So we're losing yeah, the it, Super Bowl. It, it was, yeah, they're, 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 look, all right, I'm not, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not there to say like they're gonna beat the Bills. <laughs> yeah, NFC man, Josh Allen today. Seattle, did you, so. did you, yeah. did you see some of that? Woof. Oh, did you? That, see they're the, just playing. The... They're just playing a different sport. That game was like a different sport. The, did did you see the hurdle? Just a joke. Yeah. What? Because it's like, oh, we've defended Josh Allen as a quarterback now. Oh, now he's like one of the best. Yeah. Runners. Like, yeah. It's just a joke. Anyway. All right, NFC right. champion. MV Gino. There we MV go. Gino, MV Gino. It, it took it took a hit today because you know he didn't uh, have a touchdown, but he would uh, be in the point guard, you know. Um, yeah, took but, his love. You know, some of those passes were clutch though. The 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 one on the boot where he's got two rushers on him and he gets it to Eskridge. That was the one, nice. The, the one to DK on the third down. Then he had another hot route out route. I think is that the one to Goodwin. I don't remember. The throws to lock it yeah. in in third on third down to pick it up when they. I think the drive they ended up scoring on where. He undresses their coverage after waiting because they're disguising the heck out of it. Anyway, take podcast yeah. and talk about that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in live. We've got so many viewers. Very exciting. Uh, thank you, everyone, who's listening as well. Please do like the video if you're watching. Subscribe to the channel if you're watching. <laughs> Download Make, the podcast. You, give us you a turn it to our Twitter listening. accounts. Yeah. Follow our Twitter at Seattle Overload. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. Follow Griffin at C. Mike Spinroof. Follow Ty at Dane GNZLZ. And we appreciate all of you. Thank hmm. you so much. And the Seahawks won. So it's a good day. And make Yay. legal U turns only. <laughs>